Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. I uh, gave a drosh years ago that Rusty always reminds me of, and the uh, title was, Who's Your Daddy? So today's part two. It's uh, just like your mother. So it's my, uh, my tongue-in-cheek attempt to uh, talk about something really serious. Uh, my mother's here, so this has nothing to do with her. Well, actually, it does have <laughs> a lot to do with her, but not not just her. Uh, this has to do with all of us. And so um, we'll just dive right in. And so one of the questions that, uh, that I think it was really Rob Alent years ago, we were, we were studying the, the word together and he challenged me, like, who's our mother spiritually? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and I didn't have an answer and he, uh, opened up the Bible to uh, Galatians 4, so this next uh, slide. And it says something interesting. It says, uh, this is starting in verse 22, uh, the main point in verse 26. Verse 22 it says, for it's written that Abraham, that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman according to the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar, Hagar, is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the, the physical city. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. And uh, that's really what I want to talk about today. You know, when people look at us, when they see us, do they say, maybe even derisively, you're just like your mother? <laughs> you know, or, or do we live in a way that it's really not clear uh, that lineage at all, right? Who's, who's, uh, where we've been born, where that, that womb that we came out of spiritually. And I want to think about that because, uh, you know, he talks here about, uh, the, the, chi- the child of the, the promise, right? The son of the promise. This allegory. The, the barren woman that has more children. And so we'll, we'll dive into that. It has to do with our own lives as well and what we're part of. But he mentioned something about, uh, our mother, our spiritual mother. He says uh, a couple things. One is he calls her Jerusalem above and he says that she's free. So those are two interesting aspects of her. Uh, Jerusalem, obviously referring to a city. What is a city? Who here has been to a city? What do you find in a city? People and buildings. That's right. Like That's what a city is, right? And what's maybe the difference of a city and if you're, say, you live out by yourself on a, you know, in a remote place? I mean, the main difference is number of people, right? And then also maybe even kind of the specialization of functions, right? If you live out by yourself, you have to do everything. You have to take care of everything. But if you're part of a city... There's a community, so you can kind of specialize in things, and everyone can specialize in things together and cause the whole thing to function. But he says that this city, uh, who's our mother spiritually, is free. So that begs a question. Free from what? So that will take us to our next slide. <clears throat> 
where he gives some more uh, insight. This is in Revelation 21, which we read earlier. I'll just go ahead and read it again. I love this passage. I think I read it last time I was uh, speaking. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, right? His sukkah. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And so as, he, as we see this kind of expounded uh, description of our mother, the new Jerusalem, we see some things that are interesting. Uh, one thing that we see is that, that she's ready, she's prepared for intimacy with God. It says that she's adorned uh, as a bride adorned for her husband. She's ready. She's ready to know God, to be intimate with God. And that's exactly what he goes on to say, right? The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away the tears. Who's, who's the he there? God. That's intimate, right? When God's wiping away your tears, that's intimate. That's not a God who's far away. That's a God who's close, and who you can know, and who knows you. Well, let's go and, and explore that question. Free from what? We'll read another passage. It says this. Uh, this is also from Revelation 21. It says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it. Its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so as we start thinking about this new Jerusalem, our mother, she's free, she's from above, in God's presence. And we've been birthed through this womb. What are we free from? It says this in John 8. This is Yeshua speaking. And Yeshua said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And so the people around there that heard, the ones that, that didn't believe him, said, and he must, maybe he's going to kill himself. He's saying, you know, he's going to go somewhere we can't go. And so they rightly understood that it had to be death. But they didn't understand how he was going to get there. And he, he goes on in verse 23. And he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He goes on to say, a little earlier actually, in a conversation with, uh, with Nicodemus, this is one that we know well, 
Nicodemus came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Yeshua answered and he said this. He said, Amen, Amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or born from above, literally, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Yeshua answered, Amen, Amen. I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again, or you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Yeshua starts to give us an idea of this freedom that our mother has, the new Jerusalem. This freedom to be moved by the Spirit, to go where the Spirit's blown, blowing, because we're born of the Spirit. He says this in the later part of John 8, to those who were starting to, to put their trust in him, starting to believe him and gather around him. He said, if you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth. Not know of the truth, but you'll know the truth. You'll intimately know the truth and the truth will make you free. But at that point, people said, wait one second, hold on. They said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. Which, that's a little bit of an interesting comment, huh? This is a group of people that every year would celebrate Passover, Pesach, and talk about how we were enslaved and we were set free. And in the context that they're speaking to Yeshua, they're in Jerusalem under Roman rule. This is very interesting. Well, we laugh, but guys, this is us. This is us. This is our attitude. This is the way we approach God when he speaks to us. Like, God, I'm fine. I'm doing really well. I'm I'm doing pretty good, you know? I've got it together. Just let me live my life. And this is what Yeshua says. Yeshua answered them, Amen, Amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free... You will be free indeed. Our mother is Jerusalem above. She's free. Is that our mother? Have we been birthed as part of that community, as part of that city? And if so, how should we live? In Colossians, Paul talks a lot about this. He says this in Colossians chapter 2. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Isn't that what we see all around us? Everyone's got a point of view. And the the thrust of the point of view is that you're okay just the way you are. That's the thrust of it. I'm okay. You're okay. It's all good. Right? Kind of like the people that were responding to Yeshua and saying, hey, we've never been slaves. What are you talking about? He says, don't let anyone take you captive through philosophy and empty deception. 
according to the tradition of men, meaning the way that people always live, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Messiah. So he's comparing elementary principles. He's saying all of this stuff in this world, right? Everything that this world system is based on, that's one thing, and people live for that. They live for the recognition and the comfort and the acceptance and whatever else it is, right? The self-fulfillment, self-actualization, whatever the thing that you're in, that's what everyone does. That's what people have been doing for hundreds and even thousands of years. So it's not surprising when we do the same thing because that's just the tradition of people. That's the way people live. If you look around, that's the way, you know, that's the way the world is. And if you do it really well, the world says you're successful. And if you don't do it so well, you know, they feel sorry for you. But he says this, look, that's the elementary principles of the world. I want you, instead of being captive to that, I want you to be captivated. I want you to be drawn in. I want you to seek completely with everything you've got so that it owns you, Messiah. He said, because for in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah. Having been buried with him in immersion and in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Wow. Wow. Notice this has nothing to do with our efforts. This has nothing to do with our self-actualization. This has nothing to do with our glory. This has nothing to do with anything we can boast in. This isn't even about us. We're the object of it. This is all about Him. This is all about Yeshua. In Him, the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. That's unbelievable. That's mind-blowing. That's the reality of the Son of God, the Word made flesh, who came for us because we were lost. Now, do we feel lost? Not necessarily. I think a lot of times we're able to, you know, be taken captive through these uh, empty deception, through this uh, these these vain philosophies, and think, "I'm pretty much okay. I live a pretty good life, right?" And if I, if you catch one thing today, and just one thing. Eternal life is not eternal existence. Those two things aren't the same thing. Eternal life is something you can experience right now that goes on forever. Don't just exist. Live. And so let's go on and see how he says to do that. Later later on in, in verse 13, he says, When you were dead in your transgressions, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's our natural state, that's the way we're born into this world, He, Yeshua, made you alive together with him. So he died, our death, and he rose the resurrection that we are also part of. That's what he's saying. He made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. Remember how Yeshua said that if you commit sin, you're a slave to sin. How do you get out? How do you become free? You have to be born from the city that's free. And he's, extra, he's describing the, the process that Yeshua did to make us part of the new Jerusalem. He, he's forgiven us all of our transgressions. Or having forgiven us all of our transgressions. Having counseled out the certificate of death. That consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. 
He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And then he says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. So what are we supposed to keep seeking? Yeah, the things above. We're part of this city. It's literally the womb that we've been birthed into. This is our mother, and she's free. If our minds aren't there, then where are our minds? Right? If our lives aren't lived there, then then we're missing the whole purpose of life. Because that city is in God's presence. That city is already with him, and he's already with her. And that's the city that we're eagerly awaiting to come down from heaven. He says this, he says, keep seeking the things above where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, and that word uh, that he used to set could even be uh, translated observe. It's like to see something and and then, you know, practically uh, apply it into your life. So we're supposed to set our mind, we're supposed to be just fixated on what's going on there. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things that are on earth. So he's contrasting two things that are very, very clear, right? He's saying, there's this life in this world, right? And we know what this is all about. You know, you could watch TV for five seconds and you would know, or YouTube or whatever. You could look out your window and you'll know. The good, bad, and the ugly, that's what it is, right? But he said, don't set your mind on that. That's not our life. He said, our life is is right there where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. He says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So this isn't something that we need to wait until we die to experience. This is something we're supposed to be experiencing right now. In fact, he commands us. To enter into this right now. So we need to think about what that actually means and how do we do it. Now, let's say that you didn't want to do that. Let's say that you wanted to be, you know, the, the man of the world or the woman of the world. You wanted to, to do the worldly thing. So what would you put your mind on? Maybe work. Maybe you try to make money. Maybe try to have a lot of friends. Get acceptance. Have people think you're cool. Right? Or maybe you would just do stuff for yourself, like paint on a on a beach, you know, and just say, hey, this makes me feel good. That's what you would do, right? I mean, you could do, do many other things, but the point is, you would just look around and say, what do I like here? What's interesting to me? What, you know, what makes me feel good here? And you would seek that. So how do we seek God? How do we set our mind on the things of God? How can we have our minds set where he is? You can't even see that. How do we see him? How do we hear him? How do we have that connectedness with him? He tells us to do it, so it has to be possible. So let's dive into this uh, concept. In, in John 16, Yeshua says this, But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? He's talking to his disciples here. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, and this is one of the most amazing things that Yeshua has ever said, in my opinion. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, or the parakletos in, in Greek, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, 
will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now that's an amazing statement. I think if you were just to kind of get an honest poll, take all the believers in the world throughout the last 2,000 years, and just said, like, what would help you the most in life? Like, what would help you spiritually? What would, you know, give you victory? How would you, you know, if you could just give one thing, and that, and that one thing would just make you, you know, the person you're supposed to be, what would it be? And I think everybody, if they had all the choices, they would say, if, if Yeshua was just here, if I could just speak to him, like, hey, Yeshua, what about this? How do I live, you know, in, in, in this particular scenario? Or what about that? How do I respond to that? Or, you know, Yeshua, I need your power. You know how you, you do that thing where you, you know, calm the, the, the storm or you, you know, you heal the sick? Like, could you just do that right here? And this is, like, wouldn't that be what we would need? Wouldn't that be the one thing you would say, if I had that, I would walk in victory. If I had that, I would be so close to God because he would just be right here. I could just turn to him and say, hey, Yeshua, I need your help. Yeshua, I need your power. Yeshua, I need your guidance. Isn't that what you'd want? I mean, I think everybody would want that. And this is what Yeshua himself said. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We can have that. In fact, we can have that in a way that transcends Physical limitations. Let's say that Yeshua was right here in our midst. That would be great. But what about people anywhere, you know, outside of like a three-mile radius, right? What would they do? How would they get direction? Where would their power come from? Where would their victory come from? And so Yeshua says, look, it's better for you. He's telling this to his disciples. They're right there around. They've been, they've spent, they've spent three years of their lives following him everywhere. Learning everything, copying his every move, learning, you know, his attitudes and his reactions and everything that he does, his habits, his traditions. And this is what he tells them. You're better off if I go away. And then later on he says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said to you that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And so we start to understand how we can connect to that place, the new Jerusalem, the holy city. The womb that birthed us. It's through his spirit. This is something that we're supposed to ask for. We're supposed to seek. We're supposed to knock on this door. Because we need to be connected to God. We need to be connected to him. Yes, there's a day when this, the, the kingdom will come in totality. And the presence of God, the glory of God will fill the whole entire earth. But guess what? We already get to live that each one of us today. Do you realize that? Do you realize that your life is already hidden in Him, in Messiah, in God, if you put your trust in Him? Do you realize that you're already connected to the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the bride that's adorned for her husband through His Spirit? That's why you can set your mind on the things above. 
Because you can receive from His Spirit. His Spirit hears what's going on at the right hand of God and can disclose it to you and to me. And so when we need direction and when we need wisdom and when we need faith and strength and power, guess what? We have direct access if we're connected to Him. That's what He's saying here. Isaiah speaks a lot about this. And one of the, the, the chapters that speaks about this whole concept, uh, I won't go through the whole chapter, I encourage you to do it uh, yourself, but it's Isaiah 30. And he starts out, uh, he's talking to the, the children of Israel uh, at a particular time in, in history where things are going bad and they're trying to create an alliance with Egypt to, you know, to essentially uh, help themselves. Which, by the way, I mean, just as a human strategy, that was probably a good idea, right? But that's not the point. We're not, we're not called to, to, you know, good human strategies. We're called to know the living God. And so this is what he says, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine, and make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Isn't this us all the time? Isn't this the way we live so much? We get up in the morning, it's like, ah, oh, I gotta deal with this and that. You know, how do I deal, you know, I'll, I'll talk to this person and I'll see if that will work out and I'll try to, you know, get this around and that around. And he says, hey, you're, you're executing a plan, but it's not my plan. He said, you're making an alliance, but it's not with me. It's not from my spirit. This isn't what I led you to do. You're trying to take refuge and safety. That's good. But you're trying to do it in the world. What about me? Right? You're seeking shelter in the shadow of Egypt. He goes on to say a little bit later, For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. So he's saying, hey, look, this is how you find me. If you want to know my plan, if you want to execute my plan, if you want this alliance with me, with my spirit, this is where you find it. First, you've got to turn from your own way. That's repentance. You've got to reject your own way of handling life. And sometimes I think that we, we struggle with this whole concept. When Yeshua was talking about the one who commits sin and is a slave to sin, I hope you understand his definition of sin. It's not just doing bad things. Paul said this. He said, anything not based on trust is a sin. Do you understand that concept? Everything we do that we're not getting from God, it's not based on our, our faith in Him, our trust in Him, our reliance on Him, is sin. He didn't create us to live our life in a, in a vacuum. He didn't create us to just go and do whatever we want. He created us to know Him, to walk with Him, to be intimate with Him. He wants to know us, and He wants us to know Him. That's a process of disclosure. It's a process of intimacy. And so how do you do that? Well, Rest. It says, in repentance and rest. Rest is when you say, there's nothing I can do here. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to use my strength. I'm not going to approach this with my, you know, my own efforts. I'm going to download this straight from God. He says, in quietness and trust is your strength. When we look to Him, say, Lord, show me the way. What do you want me to do? What do you want to do through me here? What's your will in all of this? Why am I going through this? It's for your glory. I'm not here for myself. 
I'm not going to just go there and uh, try to figure out my situation. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to repent of my own way, my own desire to do my thing. And I'm just going to rest. I'm going to enter into your presence. And I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to trust. He says, therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Do we long for him? Do we long for him? Because you can tell that he longs to have compassion on us. He, he wants to show us who he is. He wants to, he wants to disclose himself to us. The problem's not that God doesn't desire intimacy. It's that we're too busy doing whatever it is we're doing. And he says that the God is a God of tzedakah. He's a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. And then later on he says in verse 19, O people in Zion and Sion, inhabitant in Yerushalayim in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself. But your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Wherever you turn, to the right or to the left. And you will defile your graven images, overlaid with silver, and your molten images, plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, Be gone. You see what he just did there? Do you see what he just described? The idolatry of our hearts? Because when we're not relying on him, when we're not downloading you know, our, our instructions from Him, His disclosure from His Spirit. When we're just living our own way, executing our own plan, doing whatever is good in our sight, guess what? We're building up graven images. We're worshiping idols. We're creating false gods. There's no alternative. There's no neutral. There's nothing in the middle. We either worship Him in spirit and truth, or we don't. And so He's saying, look, when you come into this relationship with me, where you're connected to my spirit, where I'm telling you how to live and I'm living through you and you're offering yourself as a living sacrifice on the altar to me, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see your teacher. Your eyes are going to behold. All of a sudden you realize like, whoa. Remember Stephen when he was being stoned to death for his faith? What did he see? He saw Yeshua. He said, look, I see the son... Standing at the right hand. He was standing at that point. Standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And everyone's like, whoa. Right? That's not what they wanted to hear. But he was seeing his teacher. He could see it. He was in the presence of God. He was he was acting as a channel for God. He was letting God just flow through him. And the things that he was saying. And the stand that he took. And he could see his teacher. He said, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So the way that you live will be guided by God. And you will defile your graven images. You, you won't, they'll, they'll not just be something you don't want. They'll be something you detest. You'll destroy them. You'll defile them. You'll say, no, I, I'm not going to live for this world. There's nothing here I'm going to live for. There's nothing here that's worth my time and my attention and my worship. No, all of that's going to go to God. You're going to say, be gone. That's when you're just like your mother. In Romans 8, another verse that we know well, but we should pay attention to. Paul says this, he says, So then, brethren, 
We are under obligation not to the flesh, not to our old nature, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if, by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. Who? Who are the children of God? Those who are being led by the Spirit of God. And then watch how he ties this into that slavery theme that we saw earlier. For if you, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. So how many people, how many of us are living under a spirit of slavery that leads us to fear? Where we're afraid. We're afraid what's going to happen to us. We're afraid what people are going to think about us. We're afraid of what people are going to do to us. We're afraid of, you know, what circumstances are going to come into our lives. We're afraid of what we're going to lose. We're afraid of so many things. We live in a time that, you know, I hope you don't do it, but if you turn on your TV and you watch the news for 30 minutes, you will be inundated with fear. Messages of fear. People are slaves. They're slaves. They're living in slavery. This isn't living. This isn't life. It's existing, but it's not living. And, and he says, and this is Paul who, by the way, you know, most of these letters he wrote in prison. <laughs> it's not like he was living, uh, you know, an easy life. He wasn't on a, in his hammock, you know, on the easy chair or something, writing a nice little letter. Hey, here's a little exhortation. He was getting beat up. He was being persecuted. He had nothing. He had already left it all behind. And in the, in the midst of that, he had everything because he had Yeshua and he knew Yeshua. And all he wanted was to know him more. And he wanted those that he was, you know, telling about Yeshua to know Yeshua the same way he knew him. And he's saying, guys, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're the children of God. Because you've not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So he's saying, look, everything you need to give up, everything that you're afraid of in this world, it can't compare to what you already have. Not what you're going to have, what you already have. When you're an heir, are you going to become an heir? No, you're an heir. The inheritance is yours. You might not experience all of it right now, but it's it's yours. You don't need to live like you're defeated. You don't need to live in fear. You don't need to live in slavery. In 1 John chapter 5, he speaks really clearly about this. And he makes it simple so that we can understand it and apply it in our lives. He says this, whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God. Got that? And whoever loves the Father, this this love is showing intimacy, affection, loves the child born of him. But this we know, or sorry, by this we know that the love, that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Well, we just talked about it. Because if God is living through you, 
You can do what he wants. You can do his will. You won't have to just go and, you know, look at a stone tablet and say, oh, okay, there's a commandment. I'll try to do that. You can actually be in intimacy with God and understand deep in your heart how he wants you to live, the kind of attitude he wants you to have, the, the words that he wants you to speak, the places he wants you to go, the things he wants to do through you and in you and with you. And he goes on and says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That's how we connect to God. That's how Abraham connected to God, right? And did he not see him? He even ate a meal with him. He says this also in 1 John 5. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. He has given us, not he will give us, he has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. And Yeshua himself defined eternal life like this in John 17. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Yeshua, Messiah, whom you have sent. Guys, are we living in the term, in terms of just existing? Or are we living in terms of we already have eternal life? We're already plugged in. We're born of the new Jerusalem. That's our mother. She's free. We're part of this community where God is there, where God is here in our midst, in our lives, in our hearts, where he's given us direct connection to his throne room. Right there where Messiah is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, we have direct access. Are we living that way? Are we seeking that? Are we setting our minds on that and saying, God, let me be quiet. Let me silence myself of my own thoughts my own worries, everything that's going through my heart and my mind. God, I turn to you. I trust in you. My trust is in your son. Lead me. Be my strength. I long for you. God, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to walk closer to you than I've ever walked before. I want to hear your voice whispering, go this way. Go that way. This is the plan I want. Execute it. This is the alliance I have with you. I'm with you. My spirit's in you. You can cry out, Abba, Father, to me. That's the kind of covenant I have with you. That's what we're supposed to seek. And when we do that, we don't have to die to, you know, physically to, to obtain eternal life. We can live in that right now because we've already died to that old man. We've already died to this world. We can walk in the resurrection life of Yeshua right now, today. But we've got to make the decision to set our minds on the things above where Messiah is seated. We've got to understand that the Jerusalem from above is free. Walk in that freedom. When you're tempted of the flesh in whatever way, even if it's something that doesn't seem bad at all, it's just eh, kind of live your own life, do your own thing. Guys, don't walk in that way. Die to that. 
Put that to death. Get back into God's presence. God, I need to know you. I need to hear your voice. Direct me. Guide me. I want to walk with you. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. That's what we're called for. That's what we're called to. That's the life we can live today. And when we walk in that life as individuals and especially as a community, you know what happens? That life flows out of us. That's what Yeshua promised. That life comes out. And guys, we live in a very, very thirsty land. We live in a time where this spirit of slavery that's leading to fear is, is just gripping people. Sometimes we get caught up in it ourselves. And if that happens, repent, rest, long for God, get back connected with him. And let's let that water of his life, his eternal life, flow from us and reach those around us. We'll pray. Are we going to have more worship after this? What's the, what's the plan? Yeah, so let's just pray, then we'll, we'll enter into some more worship. Father, you are so awesome. Lord, you are glorious. Lord, your word is so pure. Lord, it washes our hearts. And Father, we pray that the seed of your word would find good soil in our hearts, would grow and would produce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold for your glory. Lord, if any of us are walking farther from you than we should, Lord, if we've disconnected in any way from you, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of repentance and rest. Lord, that we would draw near to you, that we would long after you, Father. Lord, that we would seek you and find you because you long to show us compassion and to bless us with your presence. Thank you, Father, in the name of your Son.